new year, Father God. It's time to make some changes in our lives. It's time to get serious about some things in our life, Father God. It's time to quit playing around. It's time to, you know, to, to really get into, if we say we're a Christian, Father, it's time to really be one. So I pray today, Father God, that as we read the Scripture and as I begin to open up my mouth, the Holy Spirit, you will fill it with what you want me to say and not what I want to say. I just get out of the way right now and I say, Holy Spirit, take over this service. Take over this time together. And I pray that we all leave here instructed, rebuked, corrected, encouraged, loved on. Whatever it takes, Father God, to keep us on the straight and narrow. I pray that that happens today in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. You know, the Bible says that, you know, there's many ways that lead to destruction. Jesus said that in, in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. There's many ways that lead to destruction. Many, many ways that lead to destruction. But there's only one way that leads to heaven, leads to life. And that one way is Jesus. We know that. But it's a narrow way. And he went on to say that there would be few that find that narrow way. There would be multitudes go the many ways. And I feel like that we're in a time and a season and we all are going to need to make that adjustment in our lives that we don't find ourselves on a road. We think we're on the narrow road, but in reality, we're on the wide road. And I think that's what a lot of people have kind of, you know, come to, especially in the Christian world. You know, we, you know the Bible talks about, you know, there's ten commandments that God gave, okay? And, and the first one is you love the Lord the God with all your heart. Then you, you know, love your neighbor, and he talks about not having no false gods, no false images, not creating any of those. Sometimes I believe what we do is we create a God to fit our lifestyle. We take, we take parts of the Bible, parts of God here, and then we begin to start manipulating this God or who he is, and we begin to, in our imaginations, bring up a God that is okay with the way we're doing life. And I'm here to tell you that God don't change. He don't need to change, okay? And God's not going to conform to you. You've got to conform to him. So I pray today that we really get some things straight. The title of the message is, is Avoid the Spiritual Wreck. It's time to avoid the spiritual wrecks in our life. And let me ask you this. Have anybody in this room, have you ever been in a car wreck at all? You've been in a car wreck. Man, it's kind of scary sometimes. Um, you know, it can, it can be deadly. I mean, it can be fatal. People can lose their life. Um, but it'll shake you up when you're in a car wreck. I remember years ago, I was coming down I-20 out of Atlanta and getting ready to go underneath the 285 bridge there, headed to Wesley Chapel to, to go home. And I was all the way in the far lane, which I typically do because there's a lot of traffic. You know, we like to get in that other lane nobody's at, run down through there, and then cut over. Well, I was going to cut over into that lane to make my dash to get ahead of three vehicles, okay, and get back over. Well, when I did... I was not focusing on what was in front of me. I was looking in my rearview mirror or the little side mirror there, and I was looking at it, seeing if anybody was coming. So as I'm looking at that, guess what I'm not doing? Looking ahead. I nailed a Mercedes Benz. I mean, I nailed her. I mean, I hit her so hard, she went into a car in front of her. I mean, it was, it was bad, you know. And then we both pulled over, and it's the truck I have now. Uh, never got it fixed. Never even told anybody. I, they, it was enough money to fix that Mercedes. I didn't want to get no money. But uh, then there was, you know, that girl pulled over. And she was shook up. But there was another guy pulled over. And, man, he had an old beat-up car. My God, man, I was like, really, dude? He jumps out of his car, and he comes over, and he's talking to me. And he's like, man, whiplash, whiplash. I said, what are you talking about, whiplash? I'm about to give you some whiplash. Get your car again, man. What are you talking about? Ain't nothing wrong with your car? Next thing I know, he's driving off. Whiplash, man, come on, man. But uh, but the reality is, is that wreck it jarred her and it jarred me. And could that wreck have been avoided? Absolutely, it could have been. Most wrecks can be avoided. Most wrecks happen, if not all of them, but most of them, a high percentage of them, is because we're not paying attention. We're focused on something else. I had a friend of mine one time. He was he was following me to the next job. Um, and he's, he's an illegal alien. He don't have his paperwork and everything. So, you know, of course, he's already nervous. So he, uh, he rams a car. I mean, a BMW. <laughs> and he's got this white whatever truck. It wasn't much. You know what I'm saying? But he nailed that BMW. So I drive up, and I see this. 
And they got to pull I'm like, what the heck? So I pull over. He told the cop, okay, that his brakes went out. <laughs> My brakes went out. I hit him. It didn't work. The cop believed him. Later, he told me, man, he was reaching for his phone. He was distracted. Amen? I mean, it's just, this is what happens in life. We get distracted. When a wreck happens, it's usually due to someone not paying attention or not focused on what they're doing. They get distracted by other things and find themselves not paying attention to the things that matter most, and that is driving the car. Are there things we should not do while driving? Absolutely, there's things. There's some do's and don'ts about driving. Would y'all, not, would y'all agree with me? I mean, there's signs up on the road that tell us, don't do this, okay? Don't do that. We, we got plenty of don't do's, all right? Don't text while you're driving. Don't even talk on your phone. Does that stop anybody? No. They're still talking on their phone. They're still texting. They're checking their social media. They're doing all that stuff. But there's things we shouldn't do. Will you get in trouble when you get caught doing the wrong things while driving? Absolutely. They're going to bring the law down on you. You're going to get in trouble because you did something you weren't supposed to do. Today, I want to talk to all of us about avoiding spiritual wrecks in our lives because the same thing naturally can happen spiritually, okay? We're going along with Jesus if you're a follower of Christ and you're serving him and you're, you're, you're doing what you feel you need to do. And then all of a sudden you can get distracted. You can quit paying attention. And then the next thing you know, you're at a place you didn't think you would be. You're piled up somewhere you wish you wouldn't have been piled up. Maybe you had a, a job or you're in a relationship and it's a wreck. Okay, it's gone bad. It's gone bad quick because you got off course. You lost your focus. 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 18. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. I want you just to kind of go with me right here. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And he says in verse 14, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteous be a partner with wickedness? How can light, or how can light live with darkness? Can they both live together? No. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? Is the Christ and the devil, do they have anything in common? Are they hanging out, you know, just kind of sharing good old stories? Hey, brother, how's it going, man? You been doing all right? Yeah, no, no, they don't have nothing in common. How can a believer be partner with an unbeliever? How can that happen? It ain't good. It ain't going to happen. When you get saved, what you used to talk about is not really high on your talking list anymore. Or it shouldn't be, some of it. He goes on to say, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? You know, God's not big on idols, guys. He's not big on other things that replace him or so-called replace him. You know, the children of Israel, they made a cow that was a gold cow, and they began to worship that gold cow. Was God okay with them worshiping that gold cow? Let me ask you this, is God okay with anybody on planet earth worshiping any other person, God, statue, whatever, than him? Is he okay with that? Is there not a lot of people doing that? But he's not okay with that. He wasn't okay with it then, and he's not okay with it now. There's nothing in common with God's temple and idols. There's nothing in common with the devil and Christ. There's nothing in common with Christ believers and non-believers he goes on to say for we are the temple of the living god as god said i will live in them and walk among them i will be their god and they will be my people therefore what come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them says who the pastor the church your wife, you know, the Lord says we are to come out from among them, okay? We're not to be doing life with people that don't believe the way we believe. That don't mean we don't still get around them and love on them and help them see what we see. He's talking about abiding with on a regular basis the way you did before you met Jesus, because everybody in this room, when you met Jesus, you was hanging around people that didn't know Christ, or at least some form of them. You might have had a few aunts and uncles and maybe a few friends that knew Christ, but the bulk of your friendship was built around people that didn't know Christ. And then he says, don't touch their what? Filthy things, and I will welcome you, and I will be your father, 
and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So God is telling us to come out from among these things, okay? Why? Because they will pull you back into what you just came out of every time. And you do not win somebody by being like them. You win somebody by being different than them. There's got to be something you see. I would have never started going to the church I went to if everybody did what I did. Are you? I was seeing that in my regular life. What would have even been attracted to me to go sit in a room with people talking about Jesus and smoking a joint? I was doing that in my living room. Would have been no difference. I mean, I'm saying, I would have been like, what? This is crazy, okay? But this is my concern about the body of Christ, is we're, we're letting down our guard, and we're just kind of going with the flow in life. We're not, we're not, we're not you know, separating ourselves. We're not making there be a distinction between the two. We're just continually doing whatever we want to do. When you meet Jesus, you forfeit your right to do what you want to do, or you don't have Jesus. Jesus is Lord of all, not just Lord of some. That's not how the game works. That ain't my, you know, writings. That's the Word of God. He wants all of you, not some of you. And see, if you begin to try to serve God without making Him Lord of everything in your life, what happens is, is you have spiritual wrecks along the way. Now, I'm not saying everybody's got it right. I'm not saying I've got it all right. I don't. I'm working on it. And God's not looking for us to have everything right, but he is looking for us to have the heart to want to get it right, the heart to want to go after him. Okay, he don't never give up on you, no matter how bad you get off or how, what roads you go down. He's going to stay with you. But the reality is, is, guys, he wants us to continue to take steps towards him because he knows that steps away from him is going to get us in a bad place. There's danger out there. And any good parent wouldn't want their kid to go where somewhere where it's going to be dangerous. I mean, any good parent, you know what I'm saying? They would want to help their kids out. Jesus is calling us to walk, talk, and live different than the world does. And, man, that's going to be a challenge, guys. And when you do that, some of your friends are going to walk away. Some of your friends are going to delete you. <laughs> your conversations will become less and less. The gathering times will become less and less. And I know that's sad. But I guarantee you, many of you in this room could, could testify that some of the people you used to hang out with, I know I can, I'm going to share it in just a minute, but some of the people that you used to hang out with, you just don't hang out with anymore. It's not that you, you're judging them or you don't love them, you just don't have the same things in common, okay? It's not about any, you know, it's not about you thinking you're better than them or anything like that. We never want to do that. It's just, man, we're, we're, we're going after something else, and it's just different than what everybody else may be going after. When you accept Jesus to be the Lord of your life, there's a change that will happen. And that change will be that you no longer see and do things the way you used to see and do them. It's a fact, guys. I mean, I, I'm a prime example of that. I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. That, man, I'm telling you, whenever I met Christ, there were some things that changed drastically in my life. And I've said this before. I was a sinner. I did bad things. I was not a good person. I didn't do really good things. So, I mean, when God touched me, there were some things that actually happened in my life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is what happened. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is what happens when Christ steps into your life. What was old, the things, that, the way you thought, the way you acted, the way you lived, it begins to change. Why? Because you gave up your throne for his throne. Before Christ, you was in control. You was the God of your life. You did what you wanted to do. But when I gave Christ my life, I lost that seat. I no longer was the Lord of my life. I gave that to Christ. And then I began to get in the book to see how the new Lord wanted me to go about my life. Have I always got it right? No, I've messed up many, many times. But I keep running to Jesus. I keep running back to him. And he forgives me over and over again like he will do all of us. He knows we're a work in progress. He'll never give up on us. He'll always be pursuing us. But we just got to be willing to let him be the Lord of our life. That means when you face things in your life that you want to do, 
but your new Lord says, I don't want you to do these anymore, you're at a crossroad. Are you going to sit back in your throne, or are you going to say no? The easy thing is to say, yes, I'm going to go ahead and do what I want to do. The tough thing is to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Old things, old way of doing things, living like there is no God. New things is a new way of living. It's living to please God. Christianity is being attacked more today in the United States than ever before. Okay? It really is, guys. Um, I mean, have you heard the words lately, tolerance? To tolerate, you know, we need to be more tolerant. Okay? We need to be more accepting. I'm going to tell you something right now, ma'am. Christians are some of the most loving people, some of the most uh, accepting people, and, and, and they help people more than anybody else. We get a bad rap because you got some bozos that get a sign, and they go somewhere, and then that's where they put the camera on some knuckleheads with signs screaming and hollering, repent, you're going to hell, blah, 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 whatever, okay? That's not the bulk of Christianity, okay? The bulk of Christianity is loving and caring, and we want to help you. But the problem is, guys, as much as we love you, we cannot go that way of evil and wrongdoing. We just can't do it. The ungodly preach tolerance and acceptance, but they really don't live it out. They want us to tolerate everything that is contrary to the truth of God's word, but they don't want, they don't want to tolerate us. They want to preach, tolerate what we're doing, but they don't want to tolerate what we're doing. They, they, they don't want to bring no tolerance our way, okay? So that's, that's called a hypocrite. We're preaching on one side, but we're not actually giving it back. You know what I'm saying? And tolerance is the first step to conformity. Tolerance is the first step. When you start tolerating sin, soon after that, you're going to conform to that sin. You'll start being like that. Or you'll start, you know, thinking that way. The devil is very tricky and deceiving. He will do anything to get you to conform to his way of thinking and get you away from thinking like Jesus. What they mean is that they just want to, I already said that. If you love me, then you will accept the way I am. Sometimes you'll hear that. I mean, if you love me, man, hey, you got to accept all what I am. you got to accept who I am. I can't help who I am. I mean, God made me this way. God did this. I didn't have nothing to do with it. God did this, you know. Or you'll hear somebody that's, you know, maybe, you know, cheated on their spouse. Well, you know, what can I say? I mean, we just, you know, to the spouse or the person they're cheating on, we just love each other. We can't help it that we love each other. No, you could have stopped that a long time ago by not talking to the individual before all that happens. You know what I'm saying? We have a part in this. But we, we've got to understand that uh, we, don't tol we don't accept everything people are. We don't. We don't accept your ungodliness, but we love you through it. The church is always going to be there to love you through situations, but we're not called to tolerate it and put up with it and accept it. No, no, we don't want you to accept your ungodliness. I'm glad that they didn't tell me, hey, look, we accept you the way you are. You ain't got to change nothing, man. You're good. Come on in. I was a wreck. I needed to change. I needed something to come in my life. And I wouldn't even be up here saying this if I didn't really believe that the God that brought Jesus, it was actually, it would change you, okay? I'm a living example of what God can do. I'm preaching of what I know, not something I've heard. He changed me, and I know he can change you. And his power never fades. His power is always available to help you all the time. Never judge people. Never. Did y'all hear me? Never. We don't judge people that are doing wrong. Don't judge people that are messing up and doing things that are evil. Never. That's called being a hypocrite because you have done bad things yourself. We don't judge anybody. God's left that up to him. He'll be the judge of all the earth. We're called to love people, but not accept everything they're doing. No way. Uh-uh. God does not accept everything we're doing. If that was the case, then everybody that chooses not to believe on Jesus would get a free pass and go to heaven. He would accept them just the way they are. Mm -mm. That ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen at all. The goal is we want to pull them in our direction and not let them pull us in their direction. That's the goal. When you're, when you're around people that don't know Christ, people that don't know God, we're here to get them to come over on this side. 
And the only way we can do that is we got to look different and act different and talk different than the way they do. Or they're not really going to be attracted to come over here. Okay? It's just not going to happen. Hallelujah. Paul encourages us with a way not to be pulled the wrong way. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He says in verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will is. Guys, we have got to transform our thinking with the Word of God. That's going to take work. That's going to take time. And again, <laughs> it's not going to be fireworks and a light show when you're doing it. Because most of the world's not doing it. Most of the Christian world's not studying and reading the Bible and getting into the Bible. We're wrapping our affection around so many other things. We're looking for answers in so many other different directions. And I'm telling you guys, the answer has always been and always will be the Word of God. It is, it's, the, it's the answer to everything in life. And if we pull our attention off this and look to something else, well, then we're, we're only going to get what that person, thing, uh, whatever, has to give us. And it's going to be very little. And some of us need help in a lot of areas, so we've got to renew our mind because we don't want to be pulled into this world, guys. We are called by Jesus to stand out and stand up for the truth of God's Word. There's attack on God's Word like never before. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'll even hear the term hate speech. The Word of God has been labeled at times hate speech. There is passages in the Bible that in Canada right now, if a preacher stands up, and begins to preach on them, and, and, and says this is what you should do, they will cut you off the air, just like that. And that's coming to this country, and is in some places already there. That we're, we're forbidden to, to, to say some of the things that are in the Bible because it's labeled hate speech. Is any part of that Bible hate speech? No way. Because if you say anything in that Bible's hate speech, what you just said is Jesus Christ is full of hate. Because the Bible said he came. He was the word made flesh. Jesus was the word made. There's nothing hateful about Jesus. And I can tell you what, anything in that book that you read that slaps you across the face, you needed it. And you better say, thank you, Father. Just like if you was driving my car and you was headed somewhere and you was getting ready to hit a tree. And I grabbed the wheel and yanked it away from the tree and slapped you at the same time. You need to say, thank you, Nathan. I just saved both of our lives. Don't be getting no attitude. You see what I'm saying? Amen. When we run, this Bible's here to help us, not hurt us. Amen. Anybody outside of this word right here, they're not, I'm not listening to much of what they say. I mean, I got to think about it the other day. You know, some people, you know, they, they, they'll say, well, well, I believe we should live this way. I believe we ought to do this. I believe it's okay to do this. So what you're saying is, I need to not listen to God, and I need to listen to you. Wow. Ain't happening. Don't know about you. There's nobody smarter than God. Zero. Well, you know the Bible, man. You know, you, you may see it that way, but I may see it a different way. A lot of times people use that to absolutely comfort them while they do what they're not supposed to do. But again, I'm not going to be your judge. If somebody does not want to hear this and they want to do whatever they want to do, you have a free will. You can do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to argue with anybody, okay? But I'm not going to back down from this. If I'm in jail, in a swamp, watching rats walk by me, in jail, okay? I am not walking away from this right here, and I don't want you to neither. But this is where the pressure is going to come when you start standing up for this. This is where, the per this is where you're going to have an opportunity to either avoid the wreck and keep driving or just go, okay, what the heck? You're probably right, man. Let's just, I'll just believe that. You're good. Mm -mm -mm. That's not good, man. And he don't want us to do that. Jesus didn't do that, and he don't want us to do that. Hallelujah. The problem that people have is not with us. It's with the truth. What is truth? This is the real question we face today. What is truth? What is it? Pilate asked it. So a lot of people ask, what is truth? Really, what is truth? I can tell you what's truth. Jesus is truth. This word is truth, guys. Whether we like what this book says or not sometimes, 
There's times that I read this book and there's things that I don't really like. But you know what? He didn't write it for me to go, I approve of this. I approve. No, he wrote this because this is what's going to cause me to get from, the, from being born to the grave successfully. This right here, okay? And it may not always look pretty, but if I'll stick with this right here, I really believe at the hospital, Donna, they ought to give the kids and parents a birth certificate and then go, hey, here you go. There you go. Ma'am, sir, take that home with you. Teach them that right there. That's the human handbook right there. And the devil's doing everything he can to take this away from people. Because, see, this is what runs your life. This is what you turn to when you have some issues. When things start breaking down, we turn to this. Just like we do anything else when, when an appliance or a car or something's breaking down, what do we turn to? YouTube. You missed a good opportunity. <laughs> we do go to YouTube sometimes. Okay, come on, I leave. But they're just probably telling you what the, the manual says. <laughs> John 14, 6 tells us this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So how many people are going to the Father that are not in him? None. None. I mean, you may hear some people say, well, you know, you just need to respect, you know, all religions. You need to respect all you know, uh, of people's beliefs. You know, you, you need to respect, you know, people that maybe don't believe like you do, but you need to respect them anyway. Okay. If I had the golden calf up here and I asked everybody, y'all need to respect that golden calf. That golden calf, man, is important. And I believe it's the right thing. I think it's good. Are y'all going to really spend some time just worshiping or giving that cow some attention? No, you're not going to. Guys, we are called to honor, respect, and love one God. Period. Not many, okay? One. And up until now, we have not felt the pressure of what, you know, people have experienced overseas and the Middle East and over in other, you know, countries. We're starting to feel that over here, and it's only going to intensify. And I'm telling you guys, you know, they, many of them lose their lives for the gospel's sake. We've not been faced with that. But the pressure is mounting. And the devil is working really hard to get the right people in the right place to bring America down. That's his goal, okay? Because he knows that we have access to a lot of things that can help a lot of people. And if he can get us evil and, and, and corrupt, then guess what? We'll be just another tool for him and not for God. And we don't want that to happen. God's word is what we live by, period. But if we do not know what the word says, then when we are targets for the devil to deceive and get us to conform to the world, we will have a spiritual wreck. This is why you see so many people, when things start going bad, they're scrambling. They're scrambling. They don't know what to do. What, what do we do? I, I mean, I, my body's sick. I don't, oh, gosh, I mean, what do I need to do? They're just they're all over the place. Instead of just being calm, cool, and collected and you walk right over here and you find out what your father said and then you stand on that and then that was is what gets you to the other side okay i mean I, i'm a firm believer in, in, in this getting you where you need to go in life i can't say it enough i you may say well you know man I, I, my aunt believed that and she died my uncle believed that and he died again i cannot base somebody's experience okay on his word I can't compare the two I got to go by what God said you got to go by God said that's why I say when you go to church you're only here for a short time you're getting ready to leave how does your relationship with the master or your your father look when you leave here that's what you got to go by okay that's what we're all here for because guess what it, it feels pretty good to be in here okay but when we leave it's almost like a lot of things start crumbling down on us pressure happens and it's what you have out of this book in here is going to determine how you do out there. And we've got to get it right in here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So how do we have a spiritual wreck? Number one, it's a lack of understanding of God's word and God's ways. Hosea 4.6 tells us, my people are destroyed for a lack of what? Knowledge. Lack of knowledge. That's how the enemy comes in, and he absolutely strips us of everything God gives us. 
Did you know you can have God hand deliver you a message from heaven, but if you don't take that, apply it to your life, the enemy will come and take that from you, and you'll never get the fruit off that message right there. The enemy is constantly trying because he knows maybe he won't get us to quit serving God, but if he can just get us to just live half-hearted, not all in, and he can keep us just barely getting by, he's okay with that. He don't have a problem with that. When you get off of the enemy's team and you get over here on God's team, the enemy don't like that. He don't like that at all. He wants to continually work to try to get us to fail because it's just another thing that he can rub in God's face. See there, they don't love you. They really don't want you. I mean, this is things that go on all the time. So we have that opportunity. So we want to stay away from a lack of knowledge if we don't want to have a spiritual wreck. So how do we have a spiritual wreck? Number two, being persecuted and bowing to the pressure. When pressured because of what you believe cause you, uh, causes you to do, go the wrong way, you know that it is not going to be good. You may not see it being that bad, but the longer you do it will lead to a spiritual wreck in your life. Second Timothy tells us this right here. In verse 3, verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who delight in pursuing righteousness and are determined to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be hunted and persecuted. If you're in here today and you say, Nathan, I want to live a godly life, guess what? You will be persecuted. You will not be persecuted with sickness and disease. That's not what we're talking about. You're going to be persecuted, guys, whenever somebody at the office starts a conversation up about something and, and you say, you know what, man, I, I just, I don't see it that way. You know, I just don't see it that way. I can't really, I can't really go with that. I'm not going to be doing that. Oh, really? Oh, so you, you think you're better than us, huh? No, no, I'm not saying that. I just, I see it in the, in the Word of God saying this, Okay. And then that's, that's what you go with, okay? You don't say, well, my pastor said this. Don't bring me into it. Don't bring me into it. Well, you know, the church I go to, we believe this. Don't bring the church into it. Don't even bring you into it. You want to always point people that are not doing the right thing back to the Word. Back to the Word. Because it needs to be between that person and him, not you and them. I heard a preacher say one time he was preaching to a congregation. He had just gotten started. And uh, he was listening to some CDs on, you know, being redeemed from the curse of the law. And then the preacher of the small town he was part of said, hey, man, will you preach for me? He said, oh, man, this must be God. So he gets up there, man, he's excited. So he's talking to him, and he said, oh, man, we're, we're redeemed from the curse of the law of sickness and disease. And, and then the pastor just stopped him and said, hey, uh, Keith, because they all, it's a small church about like this, you know. Hey, Keith, so what you're saying is we don't have to be sick. And, and Keith said, uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. You don't have to be sick. So it went bad. The preachers got up, some other people got up, got to testifying how God did this, and God did this, and God did this, and it shut down the whole service. It was over. So that night, Keith said he was, at, he was, he was you know, talking to the Lord. He said, Lord, that went really bad. What did I do wrong? He said, well, you, you tried to give them too much at first, but the main thing you did wrong is when they said, are you saying, Keith, I don't have to be sick? And you said, yes, that's what I'm saying. He said, that's wrong. You didn't say it. I said it. I said that. Not you, okay? So when you're talking to people, you want to direct people always back to this, okay? Let the issue be between them and him, not you and them, okay? Because we don't judge nobody. We're here to love everybody, okay? And if people want to do wrong, guess what people can do? <laughs> I mean, they can. They can do it all day long, and that's fine. If you want to, that's fine. I have no problem. I mean, I could have a church full of people here that just didn't want to do anything right. I'm cool. That's, that's your deal. I'm still going to preach the truth. I'm going to keep preaching it until somebody grabs a hold of it. But I'm going to tell you something. When somebody does grab a hold on it, you'll see a whole community change. Because there's something that happens on the inside of you when that happens. You don't want to live that way no more. When you taste and see that the Lord is good, come on. Man, I'm thinking cantaloupe and grapes are good. And they're getting better and better every day. Because I'm eating all kinds of that, okay? But hey, when you taste and see that the Lord is good, look out, Jack. I mean, it's on, man. You can't help but want to help people. And I mean, that's what we should be doing. It's just constantly helping people. If they want to continue to sin, love them anyway. Don't judge them. I can't believe you're doing that. Oh, my God, that's awful. Not only, you're a hypocrite because you've done some of the same things. Amen? We're called to love people, okay? But just don't let them pull you their way. That's the thing I'm trying to get across. We don't want to wreck and go their way. So we're going to be persecuted in life. And really what you're going to be persecuted for is just who you believe in. And what you believe. 
You're going to be persecuted for what you believe, period. Number three, if you want to have a wreck, hang out with non-Christians. Just hang out with non-Christians. Man, you'll wreck all day long. Man, you'd be completely, I mean, sunk, gone. <laughs> First Corinthians 15, 33 says this. Paul says, do not be deceived. What? Evil company corrupts good habits. That's the word of God. That's not, I'm not saying that. Evil company, unbelievers, people that don't love God, people that don't serve God, are going to corrupt your good habits every single time, period. Okay? You're not going to win. The, it's not our job to win people over. I'm not the, the, the savior of the world. I'm going to give you a message. And what you do with it's on your own, dog. I mean, I can't make you do this, okay? I ain't going to try to. I'm living the good life. I'm blessed. I'm healed. I'm prosperous. I'm successful. That's fine. If you like what you're doing, hey, on that day, it's going to be between you and him, not me and you. But I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to continue to love you. We, want, we don't want to conform to them. We want them to conform to us. They need Jesus. You know, you'll say that. Why are you hanging around them? Because they need Jesus. Or they may say this, well, I can change them. If I don't help them, who will? You're not God. You're not God, man. They'll get, God will make sure they get help. We are best friends. Woo, that's a good one. Huh. Man, we've been friends since high school. We've been friends since elementary. Man, I know we came out of the womb, the same hospital together. We've been together for long. Hey, if they ain't walking with God, it's going to be hard. Dude, I had to walk away from a lot of friends in my life when I got saved. Not because I wanted to. They were. You know what one of my friends said? Oh, Nathan, man, don't change now. We're having a good time. Man, Nathan, man, come on. We're going to the pool hall. We're shooting pool, you know, drinking a little beer, drinking a little vodka. And I think it was vodka and Mountain Dew. I think that's what we was really kicking, man. Take that, take that Mountain Dew, pour the vodka in there, shake it up. Woo! Because that vodka would kill the, you know, the fuzz, so you're good to go. So you can just drink it. So I mean, he's like, Nathan, man, we're having a good time, man. Please, not right now. Don't change now. We're having a good time. He's the same guy that when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, okay, made fun of me walking around the house, and I was young. I said, hey, man, I don't know if I'd do that if I was you. I don't know much. I don't know much, but I, I don't think I'd be doing that if I was you, you know. And I had to warn him several times. Two weeks after my salvation, he was on his way to work one day on a motorcycle. Somebody just pulled right out in front of him, hit that, hit that car, crushed one whole side of his body, dead instantly. God didn't do that. God didn't do that at all. He opened up a door. He opened up something that he didn't need to open up. But what if I would have just said, oh, you're right, dude. Man, fix me a drink. Let's go. Let's go play some pool. I wouldn't be standing before you today. I could have easily went his way. And let me tell you something. There were some painters back in those days. <laughs> they were smoking weed on the way to the job, brother. We were smoking weed from one house to the next. I had one guy drink a whole bottle of NyQuil on a Saturday morning, and by 10 o'clock, that joker was, he was hallucinating. Somebody had to come get him and take him home, Okay. People in painting, okay. So I was around some crazy people. I didn't let get, I didn't let crazy get in me. I just refused to. I, I went to work at Southeastern Freight Line for about a week. <laughs> Hallelujah! I'm on the Southeast Freight Line. I thought, my God, <laughs> y'all all going to hell. Every single one of y'all. It was awful. I mean, they. I mean, language I ain't even never heard. And I was a pretty good cusser. Drugs just about everywhere. I mean, those docks was full. I'm thinking, Lord. Get me out of here. So I had to leave. I had to go. See, sometimes you have to separate yourself. You have to you just have to get away. I was young in the Lord, and I knew, man, I needed to be around people that were strong. And it's the same thing with y'all, man. Come on. Don't hang out with people that don't have, you know, your interest in mind. That are not promoting what you're doing. Like we're doing a Bible study at our house. I can promise you, you come to our house on a Wednesday, we're going to open the Bible. We're going to talk about the Bible, okay? Yeah, it may not be electrifying. There may not be video cameras in there. We not, may not have roller coaster rides out back, you know, water parks up front. We may not have a lot of that going on, but I can tell you what, we're drawing closer to him. We're drawing closer to Jesus, and every step we take, he takes back to us. And I'm telling you, it makes a difference in our lives. Amen? Hallelujah. So how do we, uh, how do we uh, avoid the spiritual wrecking life? Real quick, number one, we study God's Word. You find that in 2 Timothy 2.15. Study and do your best to present yourself to God 
approved, a workman tested by trial who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Guys, look, don't be ashamed of what you believe. That means if you believe for, for something that's in the word and somebody's making fun of you, don't back down. Stand up. Be, don't be ashamed of what you believe because what you believe is what they need to believe. And if they see you cowarding down, that's going to make your stance weak before them. But if you'll stand strong and you'll look them in the eye and say, man, I love you. I just don't see it that way. I see it this way. And if 25 of them start making fun of you, say, man, that's okay, man. You know, I love you guys. But you know, y'all get to choose the way y'all want to go, but that, I, I just don't, I don't see it that way, you know. And then you keep loving them. I mean, your reaction has everything to do. But if you start casting judgment on them, you'll never win them over. I'm telling you, the world is looking for us to judge them. The world is, is, is really, a lot of the times, what the world is doing is, is they're, they're pecking at you to try to get you to snap judgment at them. You know what I'm saying? But when you don't do it, it's something weird happens. They start thinking, hmm. Now, they may not say it out loud. It may take some time, but just stick with it. Study. Always be ready to defend the truth, no matter the consequences. But if you don't know the answer, say you don't know the answer. That's okay. Hey, bro, I don't know, man. Let me check that out and get back with you. That's okay. I always point people to the Word. If they won't listen to God's Word, how many, how many of y'all think they're going to listen to you? Ain't, ain't happening. If they have no respect and love for this book right here, they will have no respect and interest in what you're going to say. So if they have no interest for this, then hit the pause button and just keep loving them. Just keep loving them. Remember, you're not called to change the world, okay? You're called to renew your mind with the Word of God. You're called to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And through that, they will see something that maybe they want to be a part of. Y'all do know that the, the, that's why I started with saying that broad and wide is the way that leads to destruction. There's many people that are going to go that way regardless of what we do. They're going to choose to go that way. Even people that know right have been, somebody shared Jesus with them. And they know that this is the way I ought to go. They still will choose to go the wrong way because it has such a pull. Number two, how to avoid the spiritual wreck. Know that Jesus was persecuted and he will be with you in your persecution. John 15, 19, if you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own and would treat you with affection. Do you know that as long as you look like the world, act like the world, they'll never bother you. They'll never bother you. You can, you can be a silent Christian all day long. If you just blend in with the world, you'll never get no pressure, never get no kickback. You'll never be persecuted. But I'm going to be honest with you. If you're never being persecuted, I question what are you standing for? Really? I really do, because I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> if you stand for Jesus, you're going to have some uncomfortable conversations. Not every day, not all the time, but it's going to get uncomfortable at times. And I'm telling you, the body of Christ needs to stand up, and we need to, to stand out for truth. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. But you are not of the world. You no longer belong to it. But I have chosen you out of the world, and because of this, the world hates you. Remember and continue to remember that I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, and he did no wrong, they also will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. That means there's going to be people that hear the word of God in your life, and they're going to grab hold of it, and they'll keep it. But there's going to be some that hear what you have to say, and they hate it, and you'll be persecuted for that. So just know Jesus is with you. Jesus, number three, we want to avoid... A spiritual wreck, we hang out with those with like precious faith. We hang out with believers. Hebrews 10, 23 says this, Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Guys, we need to stay connected to church. And we also need to spend time together. That's why I've decided to open up my house. That's why I have decided that this year is going to be a year 
for relationship and community. I'm going to fight and do everything I can to bring us together. I'm going to open up my life more. I want us to get to know each other. I want to know, get to know you. I want you to get to know me. I want us. I want the students to get to know each other. I want the students to get to know all of us. I want us to know that we're doing life together, not separate. Not just on Sunday morning. Okay, so there's going to be a lot of times that we're going to continue to be pushing this narrative. You know, there was 10 or so people, 10 or 11 people at our house the other night. Beautiful. I loved it. I want to fill the whole house up at the end of the month. You know what we're going to do? We're going to extend it and we're going to have a big old dinner. We're going to have everybody bringing side dishes. I mean, we're just going to have fellowship and we're going to have the word. Hallelujah. We're going to turn it up, turn it up and we're going to fellowship and have a good time. Because that's where life is won, is when you get to know each other. I want to get to know Anita more and her boys. Hallelujah. I want to get to know her more. I want to get to know some of y'all. And I want y'all to get to know us because we're average people. Okay? Look at our best friend sitting up here on the front row, Maggie, right here. Amen? Man, we love Maggie and Victor. You know, they've went and, and, and did some mission work here and there, but we've never lost contact. We have such a great We love being around them so much. I mean, that's the way we want to do with everybody. I want to get to know Michelle and, and Dwayne more. Amen? I want to get to know these beautiful girls more, man. Dawn and Jake. And oh, We want to get to know each other. And as we begin to get together, man, come on, man. Charles is just a blessing. I'm going to tell you that man is a man of God right there. Loves Jesus, loves helping, loves giving. I want to get to know Charles more. May even have him cut my hair one day. <laughs> nah, he don't like to talk about hair away from work. I'm sorry about that, Charles. Forgive me. <laughs> sorry about that. Hallelujah. But we want to have cookouts, man. We want to walk. We want to bowl. We want to have dinner together. We want to take each other out to dinner, have people over to our house to fellowship and worship. We don't want it just to be about Sunday. Invite each other. I want to get to know Adrian more. I like Adrian. I like him a lot. I like you a lot, brother. I'm telling you, I look forward every Sunday to be able to come and see this man right here. He's a blessing. And I want to get to know him more. Hallelujah. Amber, I want to get to know you too. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, we just have so many precious people here, man. Why don't we just do life together? This is my best friend here too. Hey, girl, I love you so much. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're going to get to know each other, man. We're going to get to know each other, and we're going to hug each other. We're going to love each other, and we're going to do life. And you know what? We're going to also tell each other how we screwed up and how we need help. Man, I messed up, man. But pray for me. Help me. You know what I'm saying? I need some gas money. I got you covered, Jake. You got it, buddy. Come on. We're going to do life together, and then that's what's going to be attractive to hurting people. Amen. Is there going to know Revolution Church is a church that does life together, not just on Sunday? Come on. This is easy, y'all. Let's start, man. Amanda, she's coming over to the house, man. She's on text. I'm, I'm 15 minutes. She's coming all the way from Hampton, man. And her GPS is, you know, drunk. Got her going all kinds of different directions. Don't even know which way she's going, you know what I'm saying? So she finally gets there. But my point is, is we had a lot of them carrying all them. Bethany, I mean, driving from Hampton coming over. I mean, I know we all live in Henry County, but ask them how far that is. And she even got a ticket. Oh, <laughs> two of them. Oh, my gosh. Hallelujah. Two of them. But see, this is your family. See how we laugh? See how we enjoy each other? This is what community looks like. This is what serving God looks like. Smiling and being happy all the time. Hallelujah. Before I pray, I want to read something. Because like I said at the very beginning, in the band, y'all can go ahead and come on up. This is going to be a set of scriptures, Brandon. This is, we're going to go to uh, Galatians 5, 16 through 25. And I'm just going to read this out of their plan as we're closing. Because if you remember at the beginning of the message, I said, <clears throat> is there things that we should not be doing while we're driving? And everybody, you know, I assume everybody <laughs> believes that there is things we shouldn't do, okay? And, and, and I could give a list of that. We shouldn't speed. We shouldn't text and drive. We shouldn't, you know, uh, you know, really you should not eat and drive. <laughs> but we all do. Hallelujah. Okay, so, uh, I mean, I, we think we're pros at that, okay? But I can tell you there's been some close calls in my life for that Chick-fil-A sandwich. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But just like there's things we shouldn't do when we're driving a vehicle, there's things we shouldn't do when we're driving our life spiritually. And what I want to do, and there's things we should do. So I'm getting ready to read this as they play some real nice soft music behind me. Hallelujah. I want to read this to you because I felt like this passage was so good because it gives us a list of some do's and don'ts. Okay? And this is your fault. This is from your father 
to you and to me, okay? He gives us what not to do, and then he gives us what to do. So I want to encourage you today and let some of this sink in, and then we're going to pray for you. Galatians 5, 16 in the New Living Translation says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Do you know as long as you abide by the laws when you're driving, you're not going to be under that law? You will not be judged by the law? You'll be free from that law because you're doing what? You're doing what's right. It's only when you don't obey the law that now you're going to be judged by the law and you're going to have to pay the price of that law, okay? It's no different spiritually. Christ paid for us, and he paid for all of our sins to be removed. But if we want to go back under the law, at any time with your walk with Christ, you can choose to leave grace, leave mercy, and you can go and get under the law by doing what I'm just about to read to you. Because this was written to the church at Galatia, not unbelievers, okay? What I'm reading to you. So when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. This is, these are some of the things that happens when you say yes to you. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before. Now, he's wrote this again in other letters, okay? That anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not. That's not my words. I did not write this. I'm just relaying the message. So those are the things that we should not do, church. We should not be doing those. If you are, ask God to forgive you. It's under the blood, and we go on about it. And I'm not saying that everybody that misses it is going to hell. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's really saying if you're practicing these things, if you're practicing anything like this right here, this is what's going to cause you from not inherit the kingdom of God. But he don't leave us hanging, guys. But the Holy Spirit produces this. This is what he's want. This is the to do. He was what you want you to do. He wants you to walk in love, walk in joy, walk in peace, walk in patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Why? Because they're good. If you're doing these, you don't need the law. You don't need the law at all. You will not be held accountable for that. It's good. But we got we to pay attention and be on our guard that our lustful, our flesh, don't pull us in a direction it don't need to go. And that's what concerns me as the days begin to get evil, the pressures mounting, the, the, the uh, uh, that's pressure really, I guess, I don't know the other word to use for it, but it's just, it's just you see the pressure on the church and what we believe, what you believe. It's just mounting and you're seeing so many. There's, I heard a preacher say the other day that he is alarmed. He just said this a few weeks ago, okay? He's alarmed by the preachers that are walking away, not from their churches, from their faith, totally given up. Now, you know if they're giving up that there's a lot of people that are around them that are probably giving up as well. And I'm telling you, it's, it's just a day, guys, to where we can't play church, man. Some of y'all in this room keep playing around. You just keep playing around. And you think it's okay. You think God is going to conform to you. You think God is okay with what you're doing. And you may have that convinced in your head, but that's not your father. Just like you, my kids could never convince me and Belinda if they were doing something they weren't supposed to do they were not going to convince me and her that it was okay we was never going to agree with them doing something they shouldn't do wasn't going to do it ain't going to happen we wasn't going to change to them now they might have could have been out there with their friends telling all their friends oh my mom and dad's cool with this man they, they, they all right they don't care about this guy they could have they could have convinced themselves that we was okay with it but we was not okay with it 
And that's what a lot of us are doing. So the Holy Spirit tells us to live a life of joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Then he goes on to say, those who belong to Jesus, Christ Jesus, have nailed the passion and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every, every part of our lives. It's time. It's time to follow the Holy Spirit. It's time to say no to things that we've been holding on to and yes to His way. If you say Jesus is your Lord, I'm telling you, this is crucial, guys. So I just wanted to leave you with that because sometimes I think that we think that, you know, once you become saved, that now you can just do whatever you want to do and it's okay. And I don't know what book you're reading because I just read that out of the Bible. And there's nothing about what I read that gave me permission to do, throw a wild party, be mad at somebody, do some crazy stuff, cheat on my wife. I mean, I, oh, yeah, I can just go commit adultery. And, oh, God, it just, oh, no problem, man. You'll be all right. That ain't okay. It ain't okay at all. And we've got to embrace what the Spirit's wanting to lead us to if we're going to experience a great spiritual life in 2020. And I want that for everybody in this room. I do. So that's why I wanted to read some of that. I mean, I know it's kind of heavy, but I just want you guys to, to feel that your daddy don't want you doing some things. He wants you to come out from among them and be ye separate because you belong to him now. You don't belong to the enemy. And let's quit doing what we used to do. What if 2020 looked different than 2019? I guarantee it wouldn't hurt some of us if we decided to say yes to him. And I'll be honest with you, as a man of my house and as a leader of my home, I feel like it's the man's responsibility to be the leader of the home. That's just me. I want to lead her. I don't want her leading me. I oh, ask my wife. She prays. Uh-uh. No. -uh. Uh -uh. Hey, baby, let's get in here. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. We're going to get this thing done right now. That's what we're going to do right here. Come on, baby, let's do this. Let's do it, guys. Let's make 2020 our best year ever. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We love you, Father God. We thank you. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah, Father. Father, I thank you that right now in the name of Jesus, that everybody in the room, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want you just to be reflecting on where you're at. And again, there's no judgment from here at all. I don't even know what anybody's doing. It's between you and God. But I want to ask you, what is hindering you from really giving God your whole life today? Or what has hindered you? What are some things you've been doing that you know you need to stop? The Holy Spirit's been dealing with you for a long time. Look, we need to put this away. We need to, we need to nail this passion to the tree. We need to get rid of it. What is it? And all I want you to do is not come up here, not raise your hand. I'm just going to pray, and I want you to give that to God if you want to. If you want to hold on to it, keep holding on to it. Keep doing what you're doing. you got the free will. You can do whatever you want to, okay? But if you're here today and you're serious about moving on, I want you to really receive this prayer I pray over you and believe that today's the last day you're going to do that, that you're not going down that road anymore that you're going down a different road. So, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and I lift up every single person in this room that is facing a, a, a decision to be made today, Father. I pray, Father God, that right now, in Jesus' name, that as you've touched their life, that I pray that right now you give them the grace to nail that passion, nail that, nail that addiction, nail that problem, that bad relationship, that bad memory, whatever it may be, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that they nail that to the cross. They give it to you. And then they walk away. And I pray, Father God, that your grace would abide on them in a way like never before. That your grace would strengthen them to be able to walk this out in the days ahead. I pray for every man in here in the name of Jesus that they wouldn't just be a man, they would be a man of God.
And I pray, Father God, that they would hunger and thirst for righteousness. That the men in this church, that they would run after you. They would run to your word. They would pray in the spirit. They would pray with their understanding. I pray, Father God, that every man in this room will get a hunger for you like they've never had in 2020. And that we will be leaders, not followers. Spiritual leaders. In Jesus' name. I pray for every woman in the house, Father God that their passion for you would increase in the name of Jesus, that their leadership in the home would increase in the name of Jesus, that, Father God, their support of their husband, or that, Father God, their support of, of their kids, or whatever the case may be, I pray that you anoint them in a way like they've never been anointed and that they go deeper and wider for you this year in Jesus' name.